Welcome to the Thriving Farmer Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Kilpatrick. Our mission is to inspire, educate, and celebrate sustainable farming. We believe that you can build a profitable, sustainable farm that gives you true farm freedom. Join us as we talk to farmers, innovators, educators, and entrepreneurs to glean their top takeaways in business and life. This podcast is brought to you by GrownBuy. Join farmers from across the U.S. who are selling direct on the first cooperatively owned sales app, GrownBuy. You can easily manage CSAs of any scale, organize your spring plant sales, move that freezer meat, or even sell wholesale on GrownBuy. Farm shops are free to build with lots of inventory options. You can accept credit cards and offline payments, and their pick lists and pack sheets do the job. Customers will get automated notifications on orders, refunds, and pickups. There is no startup fees, no monthly or yearly subscriptions, no additional charge for tech support. The only cost is a small co-op service charge for online processing. However, as a listener of the Thriving Farmer podcast, you get 50% off your first three months of co-op service charges on GrownBuy. Email their very friendly farmer support team at grow at farmgenerations.coop to get this offer. Check it out at grownby.com or download the app on the Google Play or Apple App Stores. GrownBuy, the farmer-owned marketplace. Hey, Thriving Farmers, Michael Kilpatrick here with yet another episode of the Thriving Farmer podcast. Today, my guest is Lindsay Lusher-Shoot, who is the co-founder of the Farm Generations Cooperative, the makers of GrownBuy. GrownBuy is the first cooperatively owned sales app for farms. Before co-founding Farm Generations Cooperative, Lindsay co-founded the National Young Farmers Coalition and led the organization as executive director for a decade. Under her leadership, young farmers influenced two farm bills and one change for farmers on the state and federal levels. Lindsay and her husband, Ben, are the owners of Hardy Roots Community Farm, an organic vegetable farm in CSA and the Hudson Valley of New York. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Michael. It's great to be here. Yes. So give us a little bit, a start, like how did you get involved in farming? That's a, that is a great question. A good place to start. Well, actually, I, I grew up in um, Columbus, Ohio, and I have farming in my family. My uh, great-grandfather was a full-time farmer. My grandfather had sort of a hobby farm where I spent a ton of time as a kid, but I never really thought about farming as a career growing up at all. And and Mm. actually, I moved uh, to New York City where I met my husband, Ben, and the two of us separately got really excited about community gardening. Mm. And we actually met at a community garden rally of all things in, in yeah. City, at, at city hall and he had just ben had just um he grew up in the city and he had just during college been working on a number of farms in the pioneer valley in massachusetts and just was like so inspired and he really sort of opened my eyes to the the local food movement and um csa and all of the the ways that local food from the entire region was getting into the city. I joined my first CSA and he eventually started, went up uh, to the the Hudson Valley to to start what is now Hardy Roots uh, with a friend. And that is really how I I got involved by seeing, Mm. you know, his his journey into farming and being part of that. And then uh, for a while, I had a small flower farm that sort of worked alongside our vegetable CSA operation. But yeah, it was, you know, through just being really, I I think in my heart, I've always had a a love for agriculture 
and farms because that, you know, just is my family and my dad's uh-huh. family and, you know, memories of um, those experiences. But the I, the notion of farming as the future, I think that didn't really come to me as until I saw it for myself mm-hmm. in, in the amazing vibrant food system in New York City and, and how it interplays with many of the farms that surround it. So the Columbus, Ohio, being in Columbus, so the farm that you grew up on or around, was that more of a conventional corn and bean farm? So no, it was not. Although there are, um, and I mean, that really characterizes all around Columbus, right? If if you've been there, uh, the markets that you see now were really not there they didn't have that qu- quite such a presence um yeah and even to this growing yeah, up yeah. yeah even even to this day the the csa scene the local food scene is not as vibrant and some as it could be as in some other cities there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of opportunity yeah opportunity there for sure there has been a lot of growth which is exciting absolutely and encouraging yep. to see my grandfather's farm was in um appalachia so right uh, right near the west yeah. virginia um border so really hilly country um and so they had goats and you know and a couple acre like market garden kind of a thing but his his full time was a job was a preacher so it was mainly okay. you know he was growing for his his community and leaving tomatoes on people's doorsteps and things like yeah. that so, yeah yeah really like a you know a, a passion of his gotcha okay mm-hmm. All right. So then let's talk a little bit about, um, cause I, I think the first time I heard Ben was, we were both at a young farmers conference at stone mm, barns mm-hmm. and Ben got up and spoke. Um, it was a question and answer period for, I think one of the USDA folks, one of the big USDA guys that came down mm. and he just very passionately laid out the a plea for helping young farmers get land. Yeah. Because, you know, not, and a lot of starting a business is hard, but when you have to start a business and you have to buy land, which is tens of thousands of dollars, um, it's such a barrier to entry. Um, yep. Yeah. So I, I can't remember if I think you guys had started the coalition at that point or is pretty, mm-hmm. it's pretty new. Right. The, that was likely the early days of the coalition. And in fact, it was at a Stone Barnes conference at that the idea of starting the young National Young Farmers Coalition was put out there, and there was mm. a really uh, great response from members, uh, well, young farmers who were attending the conference, and then it sort of took off from there. But that the issue of land access was really, I think, what drove um, both Ben and, and me and, and Severin, our co-founder, to to start the Young Farmers Coalition because all of us in our own ways were, were struggling with land access and renting land mm-hmm. and just being in a very vulnerable position um, in terms of having, you know, we were not able to apply for USDA uh, programs because we didn't have long enough leases. Like we knew farmers in our circle that had been kicked off of their land. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just like, mm-hmm. what on earth are we going to do in the future? How are we going to feed ourselves as as a nation if we are treating young farmers like this. And there was really an opportunity there for us to um, galvanize the young farmer community around this central issue of land access. Um, so that, yes, absolutely. That is that is one of the biggest um, issues that young farmers today still face. And I'm you know proud to say there are, there are ways that um, groups are coming together to try to solve that issue. But yeah, mm-hmm. it is it is complex for sure. 
Yeah. Um, so let's talk about starting that. I mean, was it started on the back of a napkin that you just said, <laughs> we need to do this? Or Yeah, well, basically, I mean, we were uh, sitting around uh, a, a table in uh, at Severin's farm, um, and which, you know, was was located here in the Hudson Valley at that point, and really just talking about these issues and thinking about like what could a bigger vision be and mm -hmm. it really came down around like you know three things that we all sort of wanted to do one um was change policy influence the next farm bill uh to organize farmers to give them a platform to come together in chapters and as a national organization to sort of speak their mind like Ben mm -hmm. did in that moment with with USDA but also just have their issues at the forefront and to be the top priority. Um, and the last thing is technical support, giving farmers the resources that they needed to, to do well. I mean, and some of that is things that at that time were sort of taken for granted um, in some circles, just with, you know, how do you apply for a USDA loan? What is the USDA, what does that even stand for? And how does it work? Like just sort of helping to, uh, you know, unlock the, the resources that are available to farmers uh, for the next generation who maybe didn't even grow up in a farm family. So don't have those relationships to, um, you know, sort of lean on when they're trying to get, get a foothold. Yeah, um, because there's also the education side of this. There's there's land access. There's education. There is, I think, too, another huge problem of this is just how broken the U.S. food system is. And so, mm -hmm. and we've had so many guests on the talk about that. I mean, you've got the, um, the food deserts, neighborhoods. You've got, um, you know, the, the lack of training in schools on how to actually use a raw carrot or tomato. Nice. Um, so, I mean, there's just so many challenges. And then you add on to the top of that, you know, basically huge barriers of entry to farmers getting on farms. Um, it makes it really challenging um so then just talk us through like kind of you were how long were you with the coalition for how many years yeah, did you run that? so i was there for 10 years um i led the organization um as executive director um from i guess 2009 to 2019 is when i when mm. i stepped away to start the farm generations cooperative which was incubated by the national young farmers coalition so that got started really around 2017 but then um, was fully independent um after mm -hmm. uh, i guess a few years ago yeah yeah um okay so then and over those years you i think you went through how many different farm bill cycles a couple different farm bill Two. cycles mm -hmm. okay yeah. and that actually is happening right now as well that's right yep ramping up for it exactly yeah and that's something that i really wish there was a better way to get feedback to them because in previous cycles they've actually had like public listening sessions but i'm not familiar with that right now um I don't, I don't know what the plans are to be, to be totally okay. honest, but usually USDA will have farm bill listening sessions in advance of the farm bill, but no one should wait on USDA to make yeah. any plans. What you need to do is go and speak to your member of Congress and tell them your story and what, what you need. And I, and I, it's a, um, there's, you know, anyone, whether you're affiliated with an official organization or not, your story can make a difference. And there are ways that um, members of Congress, just by hearing your story, they will have opportunities put in front of them to support small farmers, to support, you know, um, uh, land access, to support uh, getting more capital into the hands of small operators, which is, you know, 
continually a big issue. So there, there are ways to get involved. And the thing that every single farmer has is a great story and yeah. the ability to have a personal connection with a member of Congress that you know cares about their district. So there's ways to get involved with Young Farmers Coalition and many other great organizations around the country. And it's also really important for farmers to just take the initiative to, to get to know the people that um, represent them. Yeah. Yeah. We just had a flip here in Ohio with our representative. So he's He's from the city, so he's a lot more. Mm. Um, but uh, so yeah, I'll be. I think trying next time. I'm, I'm gonna reach out to his office. I know that they literally just got underway and all of that, but I will reach out to his office and see if there's a chance to try to get him out to our farm. Yeah. Um, yes. Yes. Just, yeah. To show him kind of what we're doing, kind of what the difference is. I'm hoping mm -hmm. seeing with you know again the changes and that he that there, this is a tight district, so that he'll be more hopefully more open to listening. But we'll see. Right. So. Cool. Well, let's talk a little bit about, you know, so you ran the, the, um, the coalition talk. I mean, I want to have Ben on the chat about the farm, but share yes. a little bit about the farm, maybe like a couple minutes about like uh, the size of the farm, kind of where your market is just so I can yeah. get, and get that, that idea. Absolutely. So this is our 19th year at Hardy Roots, which I can mm. hardly, hardly believe, wow. but is, yeah. is the truth. Um, and we, started off on a half acre of rented land of uh, old dairy farmer people like a just wonderful guy um gave um ben and brianna his farm partner um to start out that that's you know initial little piece of uh land to get going and they started with a 30 member and the member CSA just serving the local community here of course and then they just continued to double that year after mm. year after year and uh, now Hardy Roots um, that Ben is operating he last year we had I don't know we sell about a thousand shares in a given season so and they go to New York City they stay here in the Hudson Valley to our uh, regional community we do some wholesale um, so it's mainly organic vegetables we also uh, have, I don't know, one to 2,000 layers that we run on pasture here. We have some sheep and some pigs, but those are, I don't know, they're more like, a, we love them, but they're a little more like a hobby operation. The, the real driver of the farm is our organic vegetables. And overall, this, this season will be managing about 160 acres in total. Yeah, absolutely. Now, with that 160 acres, now percent most of that goes to the city and talk through kind of like you know obviously the start farm generations co-op you had to probably have a need for it so along the way right. was there like a hey the, the current software that we're using now just isn't quite working yes many times over so i think this the farm generations cooperative the um our mission is to build the tools that farmers need in the, the future farm economy, right? Mm -hmm. uh, to be able mm -hmm. to sell online and to be able to do that well and to, to continue to, to build this movement and to build their farms and um, build their you know, own farm viability. And so when I was at the Young Farmers Coalition, as you would expect, like, you know, we're looking at the, the entire, you know, farming across the U.S. broadly, like what are the risks that young and beginning farmers are facing? We've already talked about land access. Are there programs that are appropriately skilled, you know, at, at the government level? Um, what 
a health insurance that's a big, you know, like all, all these things that were sort of threats to their, um, you know, futures as successful farmers. And one of the things that crept up in um, my time there was the presence of new tech companies seeing opportunity in this local food space. Like, you know, this is, this is the place where we can build an app and we, we can do pretty well. Like there's, there's yeah. opportunity there for us, you know, to, to make a lot of money essentially. And so they, you know, there were some pretty slick apps that were put out there um, that, you know, we used a couple of them. And ultimately we just didn't feel like as a farm and we saw this and we continue to see this again and again in the farm community that those companies, you know, sort of broadly speaking, were not really acting as good partners with the farm community. Like they, their interest was paying back their investors and, you know, having whatever X return on their software. They weren't really thinking like, okay, well, what is the return for the farmer, right? How, how is the farmer doing in all of this? Mm. And, you know, that the prioritization, not of like the, the um, well-being of the farmer, but, you know, the well-being of their own company leads to some conflicts, right? Um, and, you know, we saw companies uh, shift sort of their focus, like not focusing on CSA or direct sales, but focusing on like aggregation or increasing prices, or just going out of business, right? Mm -hmm. And that's a big mm -hmm. deal when you're a farmer and you've spent all that time putting your products online and getting your customers to purchase, you know, you know, from this certain website. Switching gears is really hard. And so we identified technology as like a future risk and a present risk for farmers. And this is pre-COVID, right? When mm -hmm. not not all of us were like, oh my gosh, I got to sell online. Like, but you know, the farms that were starting to do this just didn't really have a firm foundation, uh, a, a platform that they could trust for those sales. So the um, coalition um, applied for some, you know, support from USDA, and we were able to get like this initial software product out there um, and get the cooperative form. So it's a farmer-owned, farmer-driven company providing um, software for farm sales. And yes, like CSA, CSA of course, because I was so involved in it, is like a central portion of that. Like you know, when you're a farmer and you're bringing, you know, we go to seven sites in New York City, we go to four sites up here. It's, there's a lot of complexity in mm -hmm. managing all those customer relationships and taking payments and installment payments. I mean, blah, 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 blah. Like there's, <laughs> there's so much. And so that's like a perfect place for technology to really ease the, you know, the operational friction for farmers. And, and that's sort of, yes, like where grown by, I think started from, it's like, how can we have a company that we can trust? How can we have a software platform that's truly innovative that can make this way of doing business, direct sales, a lot easier and simpler and just more manageable for a farm that has you know, not a ton of administrative capacity? Um, and then the, la the last part for me was, okay, so we, we have the nuts and bolts, but like, how do we push into the future? How mm -hmm. do we not just feel satisfied with where we are as a community now, but how do we grow this, right? It's not like, I I want to see individual farms succeed and I want to see all of us succeed, right? And the way that um, we've positioned the, the software is to really um, build the farm community as a whole, build local 
food as a portion of the American diet as a whole, because we have a shared platform where consumers can find any farm and purchase from those farms. So that mm-hmm. that's the other part of it is just like, how do we, how do we, um, you know, provide innovation? How do we push this space further than it's gone before to help, you know, the local food movement thrive and grow? Yeah. And I, I think the, the the first up there, the first thing you mentioned was cost. And, you know, there are products out there. So like we deal with a local food marketplace called a Market Wagon. And mm-hmm. Again, you know, they've got a great idea. I, I love what they're doing for some of their stuff. We'd have some bumps in working with them. I feel like now they've grown as a company that most of those bumps have been worked out, but they want us to give, like if we list our CSA on their platform, they want 25%. Uh-huh. <laughs> and that is, a, that's a lot. I mean, and there's yeah. other programs out there that want less than that. I mean, some of the 10% and they have a business model, which I guess is working for them. Um, and then obviously there's other ones which are monthly, but the way you have come about it is, you know, community funded going after some, you know, I think USD, well, I don't know what kind of grants you've gone after. I know you've gone after some different grants. Yep. Um, so some, uh, and then your co-op fees are just very small and there's no monthly fees. So a farmer can get on, list their, pro- their farm, and then there's only a very small fee and only if they are, you know, taking payments is where that fee is. So they can literally use the platform for free. Um, and you've got two aspects is you've got, they can just list products on there. It's more like a marketplace, mm-hmm. but then also they can obviously do the whole CSA management, which I think is, I think it needs to be distinctly noticed that that's separate than the whole marketplace aspect, right. because um, there's, there's a made it, there's advantages for every farm to be on, but then if you want to do CSA, you can very easily also sell those shares on there as well. That's right. And, and they will be available to anyone, any consumer who is, you know, on the app store looking for local food, mm-hmm. they can find your CSA distribution sites and easily sign up, which we at our farm for the first time um, had some of our New York city members find our farm through grown by, which was just like oh, very the, cool. the most amazing moment. Cause I'm like, ah, oh, it's working. Yes. <laughs> you know, this, this is what we're here for is to bring consumers to farms. Um, yeah. I, those fees add up like they're offensive in some cases like you want how much money to to put my farm on your website I mean that it's just like you know it's unaffordable right it's pushing up the prices for consumers and pushing you know down what farmers are bringing home at the end of the day and it's it's just not right so yeah we we have a a 2% um, co-op fee that we charge, but we actually just introduced a feature. We released our 3.0 in December and there's a new feature where consumers can actually elect to cover those fees, both the credit card fee and the co-op fee for farmers. And like of, I don't know, 80% or so, this is, you know, this is only with a a month of this new feature in place, but 80% of consumers are doing that for farmers. So Mm. you're right. Like you can almost use it for free right now, which like is, which is amazing. Like that's, that's what we want. We want farmers to um, take home as much money as they possibly can at the end of the day for their hard work. So mm-hmm. um, yes, it is, I would say probably the most affordable option out there. There's farmers can get started on their own. There's no, you know, uh, we don't have to d- start your account for you. You just go on, sign up, connect with Stripe and build your farm store. Mm-hmm. Hey, thriving farmers listeners. Did you know that customers buy nearly 30% more when shopping on an app? I mean, it makes sense. An app keeps your products top of mind and easy for your customers to order again and again. That's why my farm and hundreds of farmers across the country are selling on Grown By. 
the farmer-owned marketplace. I'm Lindsay Lesher-Shoot, co-founder and farmer. With Grownbite, your CSA or market customers are always connected to your farm because your store is on the app. They can favorite your farm, leave you a review, and get order notifications. It's basically a farmer's market in their pocket. This year, we use Grownby on my farm to sell hundreds of CSA shares, seasonal pies, whole lambs, quarter pigs, and Thanksgiving turkeys. Our customers love it because it is just easy. They don't have to remember our website or anything like that. We're just there on their phones, on the app. Grownby is the only farmer-owned sales platform, and we'd love to help you sell more next season. Setting up shop takes less than an hour. We charge a 2% co-op fee per transaction, but customers can cover it for you, so the cost turns out to be pretty minimal and well worth the investment because you have saved time and sold more. Listeners to the Thriving Farmers podcast get 50% off their first three months on Growbuy. Just email us at grow, G-R-O-W, at farmgenerations.coop to get this offer, and Michael will link to us in today's show notes. You can find Growbuy at growbuy.com, G-R-O-W-N-B-Y.com, or on the Google Play or Apple App Stores under Growbuy. I look forward to seeing your farm on Growbuy this season. Um, so talk us through, like, I've never created a software product. I'm sure it's a learning <laughs> curve as well. Uh, yeah, yeah. Going from farming to uh, uh, software development has actually, well, I love, I mean, I love, I love technology, so it's it has been a very fun process yeah. for me. Um, but you but got clean I, fingernails. <laughs> cleaner, that's for sure. Um, for yeah, for the moment. Um, so yes, it it has been a learning curve, and I have really been blessed. Farm Generations has been blessed with some just phenomenal developers that are so aligned with the purpose mm. and mission of the cooperative and providing an alternative um, kind of company just in Silicon Valley generally, like to have a user owned um, and operated and designed um, software platform is, you know, that doesn't happen every day. So the, our, our development team, I think they, they recognize that they're part of something really special and they have just put so much into it. So it's, it's just really been an honor to work with them. Um, so we started, we started out with a, a, a um, the, our, our alpha version of grown by, and we learned a lot. I mean, the, the thing about software and I hope the thing about farming too is, you know, you learn something in one season, then you, you change it, right. Yeah. And you fix it and you do it again. And it's, you're constantly iterating on, on what you're learning. And sometimes that is like pretty painful. We yeah. built our alpha version of grown by that we built, like we had a, uh, Ravi Kumar Ramanathan, our chief technology officer, he joined us after we built that actually. And he's like, no, that that is not going to work. <laughs> and so we scrapped the entire thing and rebuilt it. I mean, and that, that kind of like change is on some level painful, but it's also refreshing because you can just like recognize this, this system is not working and it's time to learn, like, let's learn um, as much as we can and and keep learning and, and changing along the way. So anyways, yes, it's it's been an interesting process. It is fascinating to really have a front row seat and just be so embedded in all of these farm operations around the country as well to see 
the myriad ways that farms distribute their products and the kinds of products that they're selling, the different types of shares. I mean, it's so creative, so complex sometimes. Um, mm. So that that's been eye opening as well to just sort of, you know, be have an inside view as to just like you know how how farms are positioning themselves and and marketing uh, to their local communities. Yeah. One quick question about grown by, cause I thought at one, I, I swear I had our team set this up, but now I'm having a hard time finding us on here. So <laughs> I'm like, I'm glad I'm having this podcast because now I can actually be like, team, come on, let's get on here. Um, <laughs> um, one of the things is, uh, do you allow CSV uploads of like products and stuff? What's, so let's talk to some features. Cause there's obviously yeah. <clears throat> different features that farmers are always interested in talking about that. Yeah, absolutely. So right now we have, you can get all of your data out of Grown By. Um, we do not have an immediate way to add mm. products into the system. And part of that is that the Grown By offers many sort of um, highly sort of tailored uh scheduling um features for farms. So yes, like this the CSA model has. Um, that we um, ha have built like allows for weekly and biweekly shares and monthly shares and you know daily you know if you have a farm store and you're open every day a daily you know daily schedule so part of the challenge with uh, having that um, sort of upload capability and I, we will do it eventually but so far we haven't done it because each of the products has we have to know what schedule you're going to put it on and gotcha. so on which is like yeah. unique grown by so we haven't we haven't gone there quite yet but i i hear you and i think like one of the things that we are focusing on now is just like how do we just make it easy for people to transition because yeah. it's hard right you've you've invested so much time in the platform you're on so yeah so the, yeah. i'm back on grown by yeah I'm... <laughs> okay Let's, and yeah. my farm's there but you, I need to invite it to grown by. So is that something where you guys have identified farms or it's a feature that just automatically pulls farms in? Yeah. So we have about 30,000 farms that are on our map across the country. Um, and that, that data is just pulled into grown by and to start the process of setting yeah. up a shop on grown by, you just claim your farm. Um, and you, you know, there's a little bit of a verification process and then yeah. You go ahead and add photos and create a farm profile. And then the next step is if you want to add products and set up a schedule, you can do that as well. All right. So I have to verify my phone number, put my information in. Yeah, it's super simple. And the other thing, you know, again, I'm I'm a little obsessive, compulsive about the aesthetic. I, pre um, I appreciate that. <laughs> and the beautiful thing about Grown By is it's beautiful. So oh, that's not something I can you. say for some of the other platforms we've used in the past. But um, yeah, that, that is definitely something that, um, yeah. But um, we were, I mean, it's, we've worked really hard, like our, and we will continue to, um, you know, improve what, what you see. It's like the, basic thing we need to do is make your products look awesome on our site, right? If you're setting up a farm shop, I want you to be mm. really proud of how that looks. Cause that's a representative, uh, that's representation of your brand and who you yeah. are in your farm. So thank you for saying that. And yes, like that, that is really critical. Consumers need an experience with grown by that's just as good as they might have, you know, at Amazon or fresh direct yeah. or something like that. Like that's, that's the world we are in and we we have to you know give an experience that's really top notch and yes thank you for yeah. for 
realizing that. All right. So farms can just easily get themselves on grown by, get their mm-hmm. products listed because that's yep. the cool thing. If they go there, they can like see the products that are available in their area, which is really that's nice. Right. It's yep. another way to drive traffic back to your farm. Um, and then, all right, let's talk through CSA because CSA is like changed. And I think mm. with grown by 3.0, talk a little bit about like some of the feature updates that ended up in this, that update. Gosh, there, there are a lot. <laughs> um, so right now, I'll just I'll just tell you about uh, how CSA works on Grownby. Um, Grownby was developed by a bunch of CSA farmers. So you can be sure that CSA is is well serviced in in the platform. Um, and there, the the sort of basic model that people use, I think, would be a, like a traditional kind of CSA model. Yeah. So you um, can you put your shares up there, you can, you know, do shares at different frequencies to as many locations as you want, you set up schedules. um, And then you set a, you know, price, price per week, price per box. um, And then you can, you know, if you want to offer installment payments, we can take care of all of that. If you want to do proration, you can do all of that. Um, And then you just and you can have a deposit, um, of course, which is which is important um, as well. And then you just you start selling. Um, and then your customers each week will get <clears throat> a, t- a text notification if they have downloaded the app. They can see all of their future pickups, all of their orders, all of their future invoices. If they have um, invoices due into the future um, for for their farm share, and they get an e- they get an email, and they get a notification to say that um, their share is is ready to pick up, and the location, and all that good stuff. Um, customers can also claim vacation weeks, so there's this thing of called farm credit on Grown By. So, like on our farm, we give all of our customers two weeks of vacation each season, it, which is just like the nicest feature. Um, yeah, and and I'll. We've had some farms that have joined the platform that have been like, I don't know about this vacation week thing and giving them the farm credit is specific to your farm. It's not platform. It's like for your farm. But we have really found it to be a very useful tool and a very powerful way to get people to sign up season after season, because at the end of the share, they oftentimes have like $20 credit to your farm. And so then they can use that for the next season's um, share. So it's like a really, it's a good incentive uh, to get people to to come back um, again and again to to purchase CSA shares. Um, we also have location switching. So our customers in the city can switch around locations. If they can't get to one place, they can get to another on a certain day. Um, and then some of our, so we at Hardy Roots, we have a pr- pretty traditional like primary, you know, vegetable share, and then you can add on fruit and eggs and um, we did cheese this winter actually. And then we'll sell, sell like ad hoc items. Like you can order your Thanksgiving Turkey or a pie mm-hmm. or whatever it might be. Um, and so we do that kind of more like on a, we do that with add on shares and then occasional, um, one-off things that you can buy on the platform just for, you know, single date. Um, we have other farms that have sort of a little bit more of a customizable experience. So, some footprint farm is an awesome example of that um, in Vermont. They have a they have a basic share that they offer, uh, and then they have each week a ton of additional products that you they offer on their CSA page, whether it's milk or gelato or cheese or bread. I mean, there there's a lot of customization they do 
the, the customer goes on each week and selects the products that they want to add to their share for that week. So we don't do, um, at this point, we don't sort of uh, like have an algorithm where we're saying, you know, uh, tomatoes, not broccoli. Yes. Although, but we have a lot of flexibility for farmers to add products that they can make available to their uh, CSA members. And those CSA members can easily choose any of those for the for the next week's pickup or any you know future pickup that's available. Gotcha. Yeah. So you're you're getting to that model. Yeah. And again, I'm not sure if that's what grown by wants to be. I think that's a very specific model. So um I yeah. think you know I think that's that'll be up to farmers, right? If if um that if that is if farmers want that type of customization um down the road, I think that's absolutely something that we could build into the model. Right yeah. now, we, we are kind of leaving it up to farmers to to make those choices on behalf of consumers, as opposed to have it, you know, relying on them to do individual um, packing each week of yeah. you know each share. So you know, I, it's an ongoing discussion. We are here to build what farmers what farmers need. Um, the I other think... thing that I should I should just mention that we're really excited as an update that's coming. It's not here just yet. Um, we're waiting on USDA actually, but uh, Grown by is going to be the first platform out there that will be um, accepting SNAP and EBT benefits mm. um, online, which we are so proud of. And one thing that is uh, unique about the way we um, have built Grown by is that you can easily do a CSA share for an EBT customer. Um, okay. Th and that should be available this season uh, where you can actually, they enter their pin online and then um, you know, pay by the week, essentially. So that's, that's kind of like, that's what we've been focused on um, heavily um, for this 3.0 release is, is incorporating um, that payment method into grown by. Very cool. Um, so talk to me about like the different farmers around the, you have, I'm assuming you have farmers all across the U.S. using this, and this is mm -hmm. only U.S. at the moment, correct? It is, yes, but we, we've we a lot of requests from Canadian farmers. So I think at some point we will definitely open it up a little bit, but right now it is it is just focused on, it is built for um, U.S. agriculture. Right, so um, here in New York, where I am based, uh, we have a Sleeping Lion Farm, which is the farm of my co-founder, Mike. Mike does um, grass-fed beef, and so he's selling, you know, individual cuts and boxes of meat. He's actually shipping, like, uh, meat boxes to, oh, to cool. uh, customers all over the region. Um, Rise and Root Farm is um, one of the farms that is on Grown By. They uh, used Grown By for plants, their New York City plant sale last okay. season. Yeah. So they put up all of their seedlings. Actually, that's something that we're going to be working uh, with them on and a number of other farms next week is thinking about that early plant sale, which is great revenue maker. Um Footprint Farm, just like an awesome uh, Vermont CSA farm that's super creative and really a model for a lot of other farms. Um, Coley Neighborhood Farm is a farm um, Josh uh, Volk runs um, outside of Portland. It's like a micro farm also doing yep. CSA. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. There's the, We have um, a couple of farms that are doing like the neighborhood deliveries, Milky Fork uh, Farm, uh, Ben Goodman's Farm, they are, they've actually set up like a neighborhood delivery. I've, this is just something, you know, that I'm learning from that I, you know, not yeah. really 
was familiar with before, but um, they have CSA boxes and and all you know their entire catalog is open for their you know very hyper local community um, to purchase. So that's that's another sort of model that we're seeing more of um, around the country. Very cool. What are the next steps for grown by and well, I mean, farm generations? Yeah, uh, well, the next Im immediate step is is getting our farmers ready to go for 2023. We have a lot of farmers that are joining right now, which is really exciting to see. And many farmers that we anticipate will be joining to take advantage of this new EBT feature. So when they're at the farmer's market, they can mm -hmm. accept SNAP benefits directly. So that that's good. That's sort of the thing that we're focused on Um you know, th through the beginning of the summer, that the next sort of thing that we're looking to work on as well is going to be uh, incorporating wholesale more fully into grown by. There's huge opportunity there to support farmers and for um, many operations where you're doing retail and you're doing wholesale together, we want you to be able to keep track of all of that inventory together on grown by. There are some farms that do use grown by for wholesale, there's nothing to say you can't do that now, but there's some mm -hmm. specifics, um, some unique things about, you know, selling to a restaurant or a grocery store or whatnot that um, we want to build on. So that's probably the next sort of chapter in our work is to, to figure out how we can support farms in, you know, more areas um, of their business. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, what do you think that um, CSA is moving towards? I know that's always mm. something that we keep seeing people talk about. So, I mean, you obviously do a very traditional model, but mm -hmm. I know that a lot of people are moving away from that. I mean, do you see that there will always be that core group that's going to stay traditional? I think so. I mean, until people stop signing up for the CSA. Um, I, you know, I think um, it's, with the right flexibility, it can can and is a very successful model. I mean, I think, you know, when you're giving small things like vacation weeks and, you know, giving some, you know, different frequencies and different sizes of shares or even, you know, different selections in particular shares or, you know, these, you know, add-ons and one-week things, there's, there's enough flexibility. I feel like you can build into that to bring in a wider audience. But I mean, the, the core part of CSA is that efficiency, right? Of having a, you know, funds up front in the beginning of the season, or at least part of um, your, the, you know, the funds you need to get started and to have the efficiency of not having to pack individual boxes, right? For every customer. And like during COVID, we did that and it really increased our um, costs tremendously. I mean, yeah. just the boxes alone, oh, gosh, yes. right? So it's, yeah, I think the the many some consumers are just going to want customization, their custom shares, and we need to figure out the most efficient way to to serve, um, you know, those members of our community. But more broadly speaking, there's so much to be said for CSA, both for the you know it's it's that um, relationship between the farmer and the community member. May you know maybe they're not getting the exact you know thing that they want that week, but they're getting something that they didn't expect to receive. And it's, you know, this fresh and beautiful selection of um, produce. So like the, this, I think what we need to talk about more is just the really positive experience that CSA can be where mm -hmm. our 
you know, customers are delighted by something new. They, there's so, we, we know everything that's, you know, so many things in our life are, there's without surprise, right? Like, yes. you know, we know it's going to happen, but your CSA, it's an experience that you get to have each week where you discover like, oh, I didn't even know you guys were growing that, or I didn't yeah. realize that was in season like that. That sort of um, experience is, I think, what comes, what what brings our customers at least back year after year is they they like having that you know weekly trip to the farm or a, to com- to a community site where they see people. I think there's something really special about that. So I don't I don't think those kind of CSAs are going away anytime soon. Um, and that's not to say that we shouldn't think about how we can continue to evolve that model yeah. to bring in more people because that's what we need to grow the movement overall. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Now it's interesting, like with our shares, we actually allow complete customization, mm-hmm. but only about 60% customize. So you mm. mean you've got that 40%, which they just are excited. They're going to see something new every yep. single week. And yeah. our CSA is very unique in that we include everything from like this week, they actually got a, a bundle of pussy willow stems from the farm. Oh, wow. Cool. Um, and, you know, last week we brought in citrus from uh, a farm in, in Georgia mm. that we work with. So Me. we're trying to just give them a full uh, variety, even though I know yeah. some farms are just more focused on what's only coming from their farm, which is, mm-hmm. again, I think both models work. Both models are just um, just as viable. Our yes. model is a little different though. Yeah. So we, um, at, at our farm, we grow most of what we sell, but there's things that like, we just, we don't, we decided we don't want to grow for whatever reason, right? Like, um, potatoes is one thing that we, you know, don't always grow at the farm, but we're able to, you know, bring in from other farms. So I think, you know, there certainly, I hear you, like it is, it is really important, um, I think for the community and also for the farmer to be able to have those relationships so they can create a, um, they, you know, they have a, a, a more holistic experience of, you know, a fuller basket for their customers. And I think customers re- react really well to, you know, having to make fewer stops on their way home from the CSA because yes. they already have, you know, a beautiful thing to have on their table or um, citrus for their fridge. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Lindsay, anything you'd like to leave with us before we go? Well, I, I um, am, you know, thrilled to have opportunity to um, talk about how grown by has evolved since the last time we talked, Michael. And um, I did just, you know, want to mention that we, we are putting together a special deal for listeners of your podcast to have um, a discount on co-op fees for their, their first months on the platform. So anyways, discount on the already very cheap fees. Exactly. Exactly. That's right. Lindsay's like, just sign up, just sign up and try it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, that's, yeah, that's we, my parting message. All right. Well, we check appreciate it. Check us yes. out. <laughs> we appreciate you coming on. And we appreciate, again, I, and again, not to discount a lot of other people that have been in this space doing software, but there's some, very, something very different about the way you guys have, your team has decided to work on this. And hey, I appreciate that because farmers do have, there's a lot of stresses and a lot of challenges they're facing. And so for someone to be willing to come up and work on this, in a little bit of a different model is says something about, you know, just who you are. So we appreciate that. Thank you, Michael. I appreciate your work as well. All right, folks. So uh, it's the website is grown by, yeah, remind folks where they need to go again. Grownby.com or you can go on the uh, Apple app store or the Google play store and just search for grown by G-R-O-W-N-B-Y one word.
-hmm. Perfect. All right. Thanks so much for your time today, Lindsay. Thanks, Michael. We'll talk to you soon. So there you have it. Another episode in the books. So I'd love if you would hop on over to iTunes and leave us a rating and a review. Those mean everything to us. We love to hear what you're thinking. If you have a podcast guest that you can recommend, please pop on over to the Thriving Farmer podcast website and leave us a review. That's thrivingfarmerpodcast.com.